Massacre on Straight to the Core Podcast. What is up, ladies and germs? We're back. We are back. It has been way too long. My name is Matt Massacre, your host this evening, as always, and this is Straight to the Core Podcast. And let me tell you, it's been it's been too long. We were kind of on hiatus there for a while. Uh, I believe our last episode uh, was back in October, believe it or not, which is kind of upsetting. More for me than you, I would think. Or, I mean, either way. Um, but instead of getting into it, I was kind of thinking about it before I started putting this episode together. I think what I'll do is is I'll sometime this next week, I'll record something. It'll just be me talking. Um, but I don't want to take too much time on this week's episode of the podcast to really go into too much detail about where we've been, where I've been, what I've been up to, um, any questions that you guys might have, I'll probably answer, um, and everything. So I think what I'll do is I'll sit down and find some time to, uh, to record something and, uh, kind of get, get that all out there. Nothing bad, nothing bad's happening. It's just... As you guys know and gals know, life can kind of be a bitch. And sometimes it throws curveballs at you. Sometimes it throws fastballs. Sometimes you can, you know, anticipate what's going to happen. Sometimes you get punched in the fucking mouth. And you live, you laugh, you learn, you adapt, you overcome. Uh, So that's what I'll do. So I don't want to take up too much time. But I am happy to be back on the airwaves, I guess, even though it's not live. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> uh, but it feels good to be back. And this week is this week and the next three weeks after this are going to be fantastic. This, my friends, this episode and the three episodes that follow it are called Death Metal Diaries, a 90s death metal retrospective. And a little backstory on this four part miniseries. Um, as you guys know, Mr. Stephen O'Brien and Mr. Paul O'Brien of Eons Abyss from Australia. Real good friends of mine, have become real good friends of mine and real big supporters of this podcast. Um, well, Steve, he came to me out of the blue one day, a few about a month ago, and he's like, hey, Matt, what do you think about uh, me and Paul kind of shooting the shit, talking about 90s death metal, some old school death metal, some of the death metal albums that inspired us as, as high school kids to, to begin becoming musicians and writing death metal i feel like it'd be a good a good conversation a good thing to uh to conversate about and he wanted to release it via straight to the core he wanted to kind of take over the podcast quotes in the air and that's kind of what we're doing here so that's how it became to be steve uh implanted the idea he sent me a message and i was all about it so it's a four-part miniseries like i said the first two parts would be about half an hour each part one is tonight Part two will be next week. And parts one and two are just Steve and Paul O'Brien uh, conversing amongst themselves about some classic, classic death metal albums. There's 12 albums in question, all from the late 90s, or not, sorry, early 90s and late 80s, I believe, I think. Don't quote me on that. I think it's all in the 90s. I don't know. Either way, parts one and two will be featuring just Paul and Steve, which you'll hear here in a second. And then parts three and four, they wanted to do more. They had six more albums that they wanted to to discuss amongst themselves, and I wanted to be a part of it. Because, I mean, 
I was just born when half of these albums came out in the early 90s. Um, so I obviously didn't even know how to eat solid foods, let alone enjoy, um, you know, a solid fucking death metal album from 1991. <laughs> uh, so we set up a time, and it's really hard being that I live in, you know, Illinois, U.S. of A. And um, I know for a fact Steve lives in Victoria, Australia. And I think Paul, he lives in a different uh, section of Australia, but I can't remember where. I'm not too familiar with the the geographical names of things just yet over there, but I'm learning a lot. I am learning a lot. And believe it or not, where I live in, in Illinois and where these guys live in Australia, there's a 15-hour difference. So these guys are 15 hours ahead of me. So right now, as of this recording, it is 11.51 at night. I'm a late bloomer. I work second shift. It's here we are, <laughs> uh, but it's 11:51 at night, which means it is two, two, uh, two in the afternoon for them, I believe. If I did that math right, so it's 11:51 p.m. on uh, Friday, and it would be two something in the afternoon on Saturday. So they're technically in a different day. So I'm really happy that we were able to sit down and pump out two more parts, uh, parts three and four to be exact, of this Death Metal Diaries uh, extravaganza. And I'm really excited about this. It, it was a great idea from Steve, and I'm really happy he brought it to my attention. I'm really happy to be able to do this, to be a part of this, number one, and number two, to talk about these albums, because some of these albums are classics i mean i don't feel like metal as a whole especially the death metal side of the genre would be what it is today if it wasn't for these 12 albums in question that we are going to be discussing over the next four weeks including this one um, but like i said this is part one and uh, a little history on eon's abyss um a lot of these out al- actually all of these albums are quotes in the air classified as old school death metal well, a little history, a little brief history of Eon's Abyss and their album Impenitent. Um, so Steve and Paul grew up in this era. These guys were in high school when these albums were coming out in the late ni- or the early 90s. I mean, I gotta stop saying late 90s. Fuck. <laughs> um, but these guys were growing up in high school in that era and these albums were coming out and they were new. So it was just death metal. There was no old school about it. It was current, you know, current day death metal. And um, a lot of these albums inspired these guys to pick up an instrument and start jamming. And um, it was Steve and a few of his brothers and Paul and a couple other guys um, in Australia, you know, who formed a band in the 90s and they started playing death metal. And um, long story short, you know, as you grow older, I know I'm, I, this is how I grew up too. You know, I had a lot of friends I had in high school. I don't really talk to anymore today. Some of them I do which I'm very grateful for, but a majority of them, uh, I don't even know where they're at in life right now. So the same thing happened to these guys. Uh, they grew apart. The band didn't end up uh, growing with them, if you will. Um, and they weren't called Eons Abyss back then. I believe they were called Cataclysm with a C. And I'll fast forward a bit here in a second. But later in life, I can't remember how many years ago, we'll say six or seven years ago, don't quote me on that, um, Paul and Steve reconnected and rekindled their love affair with metal and death metal specifically and uh, started jamming again started writing some stuff and uh, Steve does the guitars and a lot of the musical work and then Paul does the vocals 
And naturally, they couldn't be called Cataclysm anymore because of the Cataclysm with a K that we all know and love and, and write tremendous, tremendous music and have amazing albums themselves. Uh, so they had to rename themselves Eon's Abyss. And that's where Eon's Abyss is born. And their album Impenitent, which came out a few years ago, that album, a lot of the songs you hear on that album are songs they wrote in the 90s. So, it's uh, yes, it's an old-school death metal album by definition, sure. But the songs you're hearing, a majority of them, were written 30 years ago. You know, they were written 30 years ago, and they might have changed a little bit in that time, you know, but a majority of the songs you hear on Impenitent is that old, which is really cool. And I'm really happy it came full circle with these guys and they were able to rekindle that love affair with music and uh, everything else. So a little bit of history on Eon's Abyss. And uh, this week is part one of Death Metal Diaries, a 90s death metal retrospective. As you guys and gals know, Straight to the Core always tries to support the underground. It always tries to be an outlet for the underground. And... You know, as we discuss um, 12 classic albums across these four parts, unfortunately, I don't have the licensing to play any of these classic tracks from these amazing albums, um, and it, which kind of bums me out. But I mean, it is what it is. It's just how it's just how it works. There's not there's no if ands or buts about it. There's no really no really way around it. There's no way I could do it and not potentially run into a fucking brick wall. Get all these cease and desist letters and get my shit taken down, and I don't want to even do that. Um, so what I thought of, and it was kind of a, it was kind of a spur of the moment kind of epiphany, if you will, to somehow find a way to still showcase music on this podcast, but have it be relevant to the topic at hand, which is old school death metal. So I thought, you know what, I'm gonna scour the internet and see if I can find some modern old school death metal influenced or just modern death metal bands period that would be interested in being a part of this to submit a track and then we can still support the underground number one and number two we can still play some music on this podcast for for your um listening pleasure if you will so that's what i did and um i'm very thankful and very honored to have found 16 bands from 11 different countries that are death metal that all agreed to be a part of this and I am just blown away by the overwhelming interest that uh, kind of washed over me as I was as I was reaching out to these bands and uh, it, it's really really cool so like I said it's 16 bands there'll be four bands apart or four bands an episode I should say not apart like apart but not whatever <laughs> Um, there'll be four bands each week for these four parts on this mini series, and there'll be a track apiece, and we'll do that after we uh, we get through the discussion piece. You know, the main chunky chunkiest part of the parts. I gotta stop saying parts so much; it's gonna start to lose meaning. <laughs> um, but yes, so this week, along with the albums in question, which I will get to after we announce these bands. We have Grave Carver, and they are from Arizona. And then we have, I really hope I don't butcher this, Dathus. Dathus? I hope I'm saying that right. But these guys are from the Netherlands. And then we got Celestial Sanctuary from the UK. And then 
The fourth band we have this week is called Chainsword, and they are from Warsaw, Poland. Super excited. Um, these bands are in no particular order, by the way. I just picked four, four of the 16, and that's just that's just kind of how I'm going to do it going forward for the next three episodes after this um, in this mini-series. And I'm just super happy to fucking be here, dude. Also, before we get any further, I just want to thank everybody um, in our downtime, in our... In our um, hiatus if you will um speaking of eons abyss these guys sent me physical copies from australia to sell here in the states and it was a very limited run a very very limited run i think there was only seven or eight copies they were they, they sent me to to sell over here and we sold out we sold out of every single one of the copies that we had available here in the states so i just want to thank everybody that purchased one um for well thank you for for thank you from me, but also you know the guys in Eon's Abyss share their gratitude as well. Um, so thank you for supporting the underground. Thank you for making that possible um, for them in Eon's Abyss because it was really hard for them due to the pandemic and everything to to ship overseas. And it took a while. I think it took a month and a half, maybe even damn near two months, uh, for those copies to get to me here in the states. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for making that possible, both for myself and for Eon's Abyss. Um, to, to be able to share their music physically here in the States. But on to the albums in question, the classic albums that are going to be discussed by Paul O'Brien and Steve O'Brien as they take over this podcast. Uh, this week, we have the classics from Obituary and Cause of Death. We have Morbid Angels, Blessed Are the Sick, or Blessed Are the Sick, and we have Death's Spiritual Healing that these guys are going to talk about today on part one of death metal diaries a 90s death metal retrospective i've been rambling for about 15 minutes and i feel like that's 15 minutes too long but i had a lot to get out being that this is part one so uh without further ado let's get right into this this uh conversation between paul and steve of eons abyss this is death metal diaries part one so take it away boys and i hope you all enjoy Okay, Yabby, death metal poet. Steve, how are you? Very good, very good. So, had a chat with our friend Matt Massacre. He's agreed to let us take over his podcast. Does he know what he's in for? He does. He's pretty excited, actually. (laughs) Good man. As he always is. So, it may end up being the first of a series. It just depends on how long we talk. But um, the, the idea really is for us to discuss some of the, the classic death metal albums from the 90s that were both a massive influence on us, why they were an influence on, on us and why they were so important in our eyes as Aussie metalheads. Yep. But also, I guess, just to reflect on the, the context of the way people discover classic music in a modern sense. You know, they'll, they'll go to Spotify and they will see or YouTube, and they will see the most popular tracks from the band. And often, um, unless they really dedicate themselves to the, the process of listening to, to a band's discography and doing a little bit of research on the band, um, sometimes they lose. Sometimes it's, it's not easy to pick up that historic context on how oh, for, sh- yeah, for sure how the music evolved. 
Well, even just the difference between listening to a single song and listening to an album, it's, um, it's a completely different context, I think. Now, now I think it would be worth doing some slightly more thorough introductions. You go first. Okay. So I am Paul O'Brien, also known as Death Metal Poet on Instagram, for anyone who's interested. Um, and I am the vocalist for a death thrash band from Australia called Eons Abyss. And I'm Steve O'Brien, and we're actually not related, just friends. And I'm the uh, guitarist and the, I guess the composer for the music of Eons Abyss. Um, and I think um, it's worth also just throwing a, another shout out to Matt Massacre, who helped us recently um, with selling some of our CDs, just a small number to uh, a few people in the States. And also acknowledging Matt's awesome approach in supporting the underground. You know, Absolutely. He, he's a really important voice for bands that, you know, just want to be heard. Yeah. And, and, and more than that, very entertaining. So if you listen to this podcast, not due to our presence, but um, just the mere fact that you're following straight to the core, uh, you're in for some good times. He does a great show. And it's fair to say that when he... When he gets involved in a band and listens to a band, he genuinely enjoys interacting with the band and enjoying their music. It's, it comes across as not fake or anything like that. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, I just had a drink of my beer. Now, <laughs> we'll get into we'll get into the albums, and I've I've sort of sequenced sequenced them a little bit based on how we discovered them. Although it probably loses its way a little bit towards the end. So the first, yeah, that's right. The first, the first one I want to have a chat with you about, uh, Paul, and I'm going to call Paul Yabster as well, nickname, uh, is the 1990 release by the mighty obituary, Cause of Death, which was released by Roadrunner, done in Morrisound Studios, produced by Scott Burns, um, an absolute classic. Absolutely. And good starting point. It was my um, personal introduction to death metal. Well, it was. I, I'm pretty sure it was the first ever CD I bought way back in the 90s. Yeah. When it came out. Right. Um, transitioning from the old cassette to the, the new high caliber music experience of CD, which was really, really cool. <laughs> which is interesting because my first ever CD, I'm, I'm certain, was Slowly We Rot. <laughs> but retrospectively, it was after the Cause of Death release. So the first time I heard this, well, I didn't hear the whole album then, but. Um, was from a mixtape that you'd made, actually. Um, and what was it? Body Bag and Chopped in Half were on there. And I thought, what the fuck is this? This is fucking awesome. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask you, yeah, like try to explain to someone to go back to the 90s where mm. death metal vocals are unheard yep. of yep. and trying to ex try to explain what it's like to hear someone like John Tardy for the first time. Well, I guess there's a background too, because um, we were we were a band, we were a thrash metal band, and um, and I was diligently trying to be as good a vocalist as I could be, and so I naturally um, was interested in different vocalists, but I'd never encountered a style like this before, and he, he quite literally sounded like a wild animal, <laughs> like a cougar or something, just screaming on there, and it just it was how he could actually do it. Um, and it was just captivating, and it fit the music so well. 
that was that was it. So um, it's I guess it's a part of a bigger picture because just metal vocals in general are not especially accessible. Uh, I suppose that's why you get a success even in their thrash days of a band like Metallica because James Hetfield's vocals are very accessible. But even comparing him to, say, someone like Dave Mustaine, the vocals are far less accessible um, from him. And then obviously the death metal style is is something different again. But um, just, you know, being um, a, a big fan of thrash, uh, it's probably a graduation of... Um, getting used to different vocal styles and appreciating them and then hitting with getting hit with this because I think um, if you just struck this without any context, it would be difficult. I don't know what it would feel like to – I don't think people just would reject it. I mean, that's what I encounter all the time. I play people our music and they say, geez, the guitars are good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And like, like I said, you, you go back 30 years to when this came out and it was just – it was. It was. It was. It's. It sounded demonic, like monstrously oh, yeah. demonic. Yep. It real. It really did. Like all our friends, all our mates, the metal scene. Everyone who heard this was enthralled by. Yep. By this voice, this monster of a voice. And there's a throwaway line with um, death metal vocals in general that it's a. It's an extra instrument that it's not like normal vocals. It's really to be interpreted as another instrument. Um, and this is probably the archetypal case in point because there were very few lyrics in that album. I think the lyrics fit on half of the back cover of the CD. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's really funny because I, I was um, reading up on some interviews with the band and the band members have actually said they've, they've never actually seen John Tardy with a lyric sheet. <laughs> he, he's, 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 he's actually said himself he's, he's genuinely more concerned with how the words sound rather yep. than the lyrics and how yep. they're being sung. I remember an um, interview back, way back, I don't know from when, where he was asked and he said, oh, look, someone came up to me after a show and said, oh, I was singing along to Cause of Death. And he's like, what are you singing? Because I don't know what I'm singing. <laughs> yeah. There's, but, de- there's definitely that, isn't there? Yeah. And it's, I guess it is taken to that point too, where really he, it was about the tone he was generating and, and how it fit in with the music and um, what was said was irrelevant. And the other thing to note from from back when it came out was the, the production. The production was very good. Like it had the the hellish landscapes and those sort of uh, those sounds coming in and out between between yeah. songs, between tracks to build the atmosphere. And it was just it was really articulate. The, the the mix and the production. Like think about the double bass and chopped in half. And then of course you got the 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 mighty solos from James Murphy, which were just just unbelievably good to listen to. Yeah, and actually the solo, yeah, yeah, James Murphy working that in that album uh, made it something unique in their discography, I reckon. Um, sorry, it's going to sound a bit wankerish, but there's almost like a a reflective, introspective type um, feel to that music. Like mm. it's really sort of inwardly thinking, and it comes through those solos too. They're all really, especially um, with the. Um, the, the the pace of the music it just lends itself well for him to sort of linger with his solos and he does it so well it sounds beautiful and it, it's how they kick the album off with infected that solo and infected to start yeah. with is just yeah like you said it it it, it um it, it's looking inward and it just it tells a bit of a story before it gets to then the punchline 
which is of uh, which which is John Tardy's mighty voice. And and the other thing I want to touch on too in this album was the awesomeness of the double bass, the patterning in the double bass, which was mm. really clear. You know, yeah, the clarity of the drums in the in the actual production um, has obviously been um, you know with modern sort of systems is something that's easier to produce, but for its time, you know, it was really something quite distinct, wasn't it? Mm. It was. And and the artwork as well was, you know, immense. Like not only did you get this voice and this music and these guitar solos and these drums, but then you get this insane artwork that is that, that just looks evil. And it um, I believe it was by Michael Whelan and... They say that it was actually drawn or painted originally for a Lovecraft book. <laughs> and also the other the other thing is that the, the illustration was actually going to be used by Sepultura for Beneath the Remains, <laughs> but they never got to it and instead uh, Obituary grabbed it. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's obviously iconic now as well. Absolutely. And the atmospherics, you know, it's a, it's a complete a complete thing from the artwork to the music and obviously the the vocals and the um the whole it's really was one complete artwork um and the atmospherics in between those songs as well it all worked well in together which is why i think you do lose something if you if you pardon the pun but you chop it up <laughs> chop it in half um yeah. and just sort of pick pieces out of it to to listen it from start to finish it's that full experience and there were a few albums like that at the time. Um, mm. And speaking of Sepultura, um, but um, Arise was very similar in having that sort of those atmospherics all the way through and the artwork they had for that album. But at that time, yeah, that's just when it was being done. It was reaching that zenith of doing that sort of concept type album. And, and we were lucky because early 2020, we got to see a Obituary in Melbourne and they played Cause of Death. Yeah, its entirety, which was just a bit of a bucket list oh, for me. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. Horse the next day couldn't couldn't hardly speak, but well worth it. And I like the way they um they 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 slowed the songs down. You know, when they played live, they just took their time with them. They enjoyed but them. It was so crazy. masterful, and they just so relaxed and on stage. They really do enjoy themselves, and you can tell. Yeah, yeah. And I was yeah. watching um, a doco on YouTube the other day with the Morris brothers out of Morristown. They they said that their first exposure to death metal was obituary, and that was when obituary was um, execution. executioner. Yeah, yeah. So obviously Morristown Studios worked with all the classic American death metal bands, and it, it was interesting for me to hear that they said that obituary were the the first that they heard come through like that, obviously mm. as executioner. So, you know, they, they are titans of the genre. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> do you want to? Do you have any closing remarks on this album? Um, I only to say, and I you sort of assume that everyone's heard this album and appreciate it, but if you haven't heard it, um, get a copy. Find your place, find a nice secluded place, nice and dark, pop this on and listen to it from woe to go and you will not regret it.
that um, that's the first album covered. Second that I want to talk about uh, is the mighty Morbid Angel. <laughs> Blessed are the sick, mm. which is again, and I should have said this earlier, but part of the um, the all the albums we're going to talk about are from the early nineties. So I know a lot of people will say Altars of Madness is the one to talk about with Morbid Angel, but we're talking about um, albums just from the early 90s, um, as that's when, I guess, we first really started being influenced um, through this music. And, and it all, like, you look at the releases from 90 to 90, 90 to 91, 92, and the albums that came out were immense. So that, that's our focus for this, this series. Mm. So Morbid Angel, Blessed Are the Sick, 1991, I believe. Um, Morrisound Studios again released by Earache and it was a album that Trey Azagoth would ultimately dedicate to Mozart remains to this day my favourite ever album and can you explain why that is the case I think at the time um, it was almost a competition between Morbid Angel and Napalm Death as to who was the fastest band in the world. And, you know, obviously they have sections in this album and Altars of Madness is all about the speed and yet so melodic in that speed as well. In this album, they slowed it down. They took their time. They created atmospheres that were also added with um, additional tones and synthesizers and all the rest of it to create just a, a masterpiece, really. Um of well it really took you it was like a tone poem that took you to very very dark places <laughs> mm. it was, yeah. it, and the um we we often talk about death rush and we classify ourselves as a death rush band with eons abyss but um it's fair to say that this album was pure death metal um in yeah. terms of comparing it to alters like they yeah. re they really they really focused in on on a sound and a, and a quality of, of production and the songs, even though some of the songs are older songs yep. and they appear on their, their, their demo abominations of desolations. Mm. The music is just next level. And again, it was something that the way that they constructed the songs and the way that they, the songs were produced and how they sounded, it yep. really was something that had never been heard before. Well, when it is slowed down, a lot of Trey's riffs, you just see how, you hear um, just how otherworldly they sound. Mm. It's just, just the combinations of notes, it's just incredible. And also, obviously, with um, Commander, Pete Commando Sandoval's drumming, the syncopations you can hear when it's slowed down, it's just, it's just mesmerising. Um, David Vincent's vocals are better in this album than in Altars of Madness, I reckon. Um, and they have a greater variety too um, than possibly any other album that they did. Mm. Um, I, and you talked about the older tunes from Abominations. He sings differently on those to on the other on the, on the newer songs. Yes. Um, but it's lovely to have that vocal contrast in there. It's just yeah, yeah, fantastic. I, I like I like the fact that Trey dedicated the album to Mozart as well, and. There's just a lot of thought that's gone into to what they do as a band, and that's continued on. You know, even to the, to to the point of them making sure that all their albums are released 
with titles that follow alphabetical order. Yep. It's 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 great. And um you're right before what you said, the the classical the classically styled interl interludes and orchestrations. Again, band some bands have done it a little bit, but they really made it part of that story of the album and it was really well done and yeah. you know, it was one of the things that actually introduced me to classical music. Right. To be honest. Like <laughs> I, I got into classical music through death metal. Yep. Yep. So, you know, I, Trey, Trey is a musical genius. David Vincent's vocals in, in this, like you said, are insane. Yep. You know, and he's carried that on to this day with like Ultimus. Oh, absolutely. Which is um, also, what's underrated, I mean, we're, I wasn't going to talk much about lyrics because um, uh, they're hard to decipher in a lot of death metal, to be truthful. Um, but his lyrics, they're so sophisticated. They're so clever, his lyrics. I mean, even that opening line of this album, Hot wind burns me, burning as I fall. <laughs> it's just you know where you're going, and um, it's just so beautifully written, and and absolutely executed on point. And the song, I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. The song where they talk about uh, God, King of the God Dog, and then they reverse dog, so it, <laughs> so it says God backwards. Like it's just you got to love that sort of stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just that's um, just the little touches that count. And the evil, the evil flute work. In yeah. Blessed Are the Sick is just yeah. immense. Yeah. So again, this is another album that really lends itself to a full listen from start to finish. Oh, they all do. Yeah. But light certainly some, this light one. some candles. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you're looking at the artwork because the artwork again is is insane. And they, I, 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 I saw it on one, on a documentary where when they discovered this art, which is from a an artist called um, Jean Deville. So it was, you know, it was a hundred years old, I think, the painting, uh, and it's just they they acquired the the, the uh, permissions to use it. It's just it's there's so much concept and thought that's gone into creating this album. Yep, I would imagine. I mean, ignorantly looking from the outside in, that this would have been a lot harder for Morris Sound to actually make work. It's a lot more intricate. Than any of the probably surrounding albums that were yes. probably that we have and will talk about, um, but they did. Yeah, <laughs> um, I remember at uni uh, introducing a few people to this album. They used to have a little um, quiet area at uni where you could stop and listen to music, and they had this album there. And <laughs> most of them didn't get past the first intro. <laughs> it was just too overwhelming. Yeah, but uh, that's great. Yeah. For listeners of this show, not so much. You'll love it. Yeah. Actually, that artwork is from 1895. I just uh, used the power of the internet, which was one thing, again, that we absolutely had nothing. There was no internet back in the day when these came out. Like, mm. it was all about us discovering, and for everyone, it was about discovering this music through whatever way you could. You know, for us, again, it was one underground radio station that would play it once a week for two hours. Yep. And whatever we could get our hands on through magazines and the like in Australia. Uh, I do know um, um, Earache, the guy who runs the Earache uh, Instagram post, does these really cool IGTV stories on questions. And one of the questions and uh, was, was around uh, who was the biggest death metal band back in the early 90s. And he said it was Morbid Angel. They were, they were the, the king of the heap back then oh. in terms of popularity and, and I think magnitude. I think once Covenant came out, that just put them 
at echelon above, really. Yeah. Yep. yep. For, for me, it was sort of them and, and obituary. They were the two big ones. Yep. Yep. And then along came Deerside and others. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yep. All right. So is there any – do you want to have any last words on this album, Gabster, before we move on? <sighs> Not to sound pretentious. This is just poetic genius. Yeah. <laughs> From the from Trey's efforts onwards, just absolute masterwork. In fact, sorry, I think Mozart dedicated his twenty fifth symphony to Morbid Angel, <laughs> or he would have had he had the chance. He would have been jamming with uh, Trey. I think. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, that would be, uh, you know, and and uh, you bring Beethoven in the room. Yeah, <laughs> Bach would be the producer. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Berlioz would be the uh, fanatic. With his sword. All right, we'll, we'll move on to the next one, which is a release by the mighty death, Spiritual Healing. Nice. Which actually came out earlier than Cause of Death. February mm-hmm. 1990, Morrisound Studios again. It was released on Combat and uh, Relapse, and it was um, Scott Burns' production, I believe. Mm. Beautiful album. Brilliant album. <laughs> um, so there's almost, um, there's almost two, two deaths, isn't there? There's the yes. early death, and then there's Chuck doing his death thing, both of which are brilliant, but they're very different. Yes. And this is the transition, really. Um, humans a lot different to this album, oh, for but sure. this is again probably um, oh, how can you say uh, a more uh, domesticated version of leprosy. Yes, and yet and and just has again the James Murphy influence, yes. where, where both of them are just um, playing off each other, uh, ripping solos. It's yeah, it's a masterpiece. Well, I, I remember we used to have fun trying to count how many riffs and time changes per song on this album. Yeah. And then we'd, we, you know, we'd go around telling people, you've got to listen to this song. It's got so many, it's got X number of time changes. Because <laughs> we just could not believe the the song structuring and, and the the genius in, in the music. Like, yeah. To, to, yeah. Cre- to create this stuff. Like... Yeah. Um, it really, for its time, and, and reflecting back on it, it it almost is the most refined example that that perfectly captures that the sound from that early nineties. Mm. It's just screechy, otherworldly sort of sounds with the guitar, but it's so it's so beautiful. It's it's not jarring at all. It's beautiful sound yeah. that he comes up with. It's just amazing. And the lyrics. The lyrics, you know, the, the topics, obviously a death metal album, but the lyrics straight away from what they'd been singing about earlier with the, the blood and the guts and the, and the, mm. the gore. And Another the, form of that transition, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Chuck's just getting more um, about his thoughts, about what he experiences in the world and what he thinks about things in the world. Um, yeah, coming through this album. And, and, and there was actually... There was some people that didn't like this album because it's straight away from that uh, that uh, early 
gore splatter inspired stuff. Yeah. And it's funny, you might remember we, we had a friend who, um, we, but we loved spiritual healing. We got our hands on leprosy, which we also loved. Yeah. And then he got his hands on scram bloody gore. Yeah. And it was t- the gore element was too much. <laughs> so he, yep. he, he gave the CD to me, which I still have, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes you can be lucky. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When he, when he, when he wanted it back a few years later, it was uh, not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting, isn't it, that, um, you know, metal in, in general, death metal in particular, is like the ultimate expression of free thinking. It's like, well, you're not going to tell me what I'm going to think about this or that. And yet it still comes with expectations of you got to fit into this sort of genre. And clearly for Chuck, that was just not something that he'd ever be restricted by. And thank God for that. And he's inspired a generation of people um, to think likewise. Follow your own thoughts. Talk about whatever you want to talk about. And I remember also, you know, he wasn't, again, back in that at that time, he wasn't the most liked person in the scene he was apparently Mm. difficult to work with he went through a lot of different band members and changes and i think once he had once he'd advanced beyond the the blood and the guts and he wanted to be more sophisticated with his music and his lyrics and tell different stories yep um i think that uh even even the name of the band death i think was a little bit of a uh um a weight around his neck. Well, hence the control denied at the end of his career. Mm. Just trying to get away from it completely. That's right. Yeah. Yep. And it's it's sort of, you know, it's obviously hor- it's, it's 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 a massive loss to, to the music world that, that he died. Mm. But there's a bit of an irony there uh, in his legacy. Really yep. was discovered, be- and a lot had to do with the name of the band, the genre of the music, the name of the band. Yep. And they're, they're two things that he grew grew apart from as he developed as a musician. Yep, yep. But this album, this Death album, it, I always come back to this one. It, it's my favourite. They're, they're mm-hmm. all really good. There's, there's, mm-hmm. there's no doubt. They're, they're, you can listen to any of them at any time and, yep. and really just love them. Well, what, um, what the later albums probably lose from the earlier ones is that just raw almost um massacre influence but this album still has it so i reckon it's the last one that still has that um uh really brutal influence to it as well um before he sort of moved into more of a prog death metal type feel i reckon yes. he, fa- yeah. he found band members who who had the skill level that he wanted yeah to yeah write the music he was ready to write I know we're not not talking about it. We only need to look at Human and what the bass and the the drums are doing in that album, the sort of jazz fusion type style, which is just incredible. But um, getting back to pure death metal um, and it sort of exploring its limitations and pushing through those limitations, this is your album. Oh, for sure. And again, I, I just love listening to it and, you know, studying the time signature changes and you know then you've got he's got his own style of music he blends neoclassical with blues with um the sort of the the egyptian scales yeah. it's just you know he 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 runs this lovely pitch shifter yep. in in certain riffs there's just so much going on there that you can sink your teeth into and 
and enjoy yep. from a musical perspective with this yes. album. And again, pe- people, it's it's good for people to reflect on when this was released. This music didn't exist in this yeah. form. You know, this, this level of complexity in, in a death metal album, yep. this level of musicality, it really didn't exist. You, you compare this a little bit to say obituary, yep. even Morbid Angel, very different music, and it's yep. it's its own thing. It's an interesting concept in that. that um... Uh, those bands that are influencers, they're, they're just so um, out of the box that other bands uh, are influenced by them. They do lose a little bit by it. I remember talking to a guy at uni um, again. Uh, this time it was about Entombed, and he didn't like Entombed because there were so many bands who started to sound like him. So, well, that's <laughs> hardly their fault. Um, but <laughs> he's a classic example as well of, yeah, of a... Um, an innovator and a leader of the field who rightly bears the name of the, the genre. Um, and this is probably them. Well, I reckon this is their, them at their peak, really. Yeah, it, their peak in terms of pure death metal. Yep. But musically, I think they went beyond that um, with that with, with a very different style as yep. well. Yep. Yeah, for me again, I keep coming back. I come back to this album as my favourite death album. And even still, we should be um, thankful for that change too, even if we didn't like it. But I do like it um, because it's it inspired a a reaction as well. Like, yes. you know, the whole Norwegian black metal scene is all about like death. What have you done? Sort of thing. We're not going to um, have go that sort of style. And they went the direct opposite sort of thing. So. Um, Influences can be varied and they're always useful. So, yeah, half an hour goes very quickly. We've managed to discuss three albums. It's a little bit ironic. I reckon we could talk for these albums longer than the albums actually go for. (laughs) Um, Great albums. Recommend that you have a listen to them. Um, We'll be back next week with part two thanks a lot gentlemen for that uh half an hour of tremendous tremendous conversation about those classic classic albums of death metal and i took a bit of notes so i kind of want to piggyback on on what those guys uh discussed about those three albums in particular and i know my opening monologue um kind of overlapped a bit on what these guys were saying but i still wanted to give uh give my uh, two cents if you will um but i want to get through this next section here about my thoughts you know parts of me wish that i was born 10 15 years earlier so i could enjoy these albums like paul and steve did in the 90s um as they were coming out and actually being old enough to enjoy them and digest them and and love them for 30 years um but these albums either came out the same year I was born in 91 or earlier or, you know, a year or two, yeah, a year or two later, there we go. And I was still shitting my pants. <laughs> you know, I was fucking a year old, two years old, if that. Um, but I'm really happy I was able to discover these albums uh, later in life. Um You know, and go back and, and rediscover them, if you will, and enjoy them on my own merit and everything else, but uh, the three albums in question, uh, first one discussed was Obituary's Cause of Death, and Obituary as a band, funny enough, 
was the first death metal band I was ever exposed to, believe it or not. And, um, well, I should say the first death metal band that I remember being exposed to. Excuse me, I had a hiccup there. Um, uh, little little history on obituary and how I got exposed to them because obviously I wasn't either a thought yet. I don't remember what, what year um, Cause of Death came out. I believe 90, 1990s. Or I wasn't even born yet, if that's the case. And I was born late in 91. I was born December 91. So even if it came out in 91, I probably wasn't born yet either. <laughs> um, but back in the mid-2000s, say 2004 if I remember right um Roadrunner Records uh produced and released this concept album in every sense of the word to about it was called Roadrunner United I know a lot of people are probably familiar and remember this one-off album that Roadrunner put out and long story short Roadrunner United was a 12 or 13 track album might have been more um but it was a 25 year anniversary at the time of Roadrunner Records, and it was their way of celebrating 25 successful years as a metal label. And they reached out to current and past um, alumni of the label at that time to come together, and each musician of these bands come together and write some songs. Like each song was a supergroup, um, and it got it got uh, um, split up in between four captains, if you will, quotes in the air. I think one was Dez from, or not Dez, sorry, Dino from, shout out to Dez before though, uh, Dino from Fear Factory, um, Rob Flynn from Machine Head, Matt Heafy from Trivium, and Joey from Slipknot. And uh, I bought the record because I was super excited about that in 2004, 2005, I was in middle school. And I discovered a lot of bands from that album, and one of those bands was Obituary. And the reason I was so about it is because those guys talked about James Murphy a bit and he did a solo on one of the tracks apart that was a part of Roadrunner United and um, with the CD of course um, every copy came with a DVD and this DVD was like an hour long and each captain had like a a, a 25 minute or not a 25 15 minute um, making of segment where they kind of showed all of the different musicians that teamed up with the captains and, and wrote all these songs and, and James Murphy did a solo like I said and they recorded him playing the solo and I just remember being mesmerized by this solo and I couldn't figure out why so I did some research and in the liner notes for the album they had uh, information about everybody that played in the album and James, Mur- James Murphy was one of them and it said obviously James Murphy, James Murphy played with Death and, and Obituary and everything else, but Obituary stuck out to me, so I checked them out. I don't remember how I looked them up at the time, but I found Cause of Death, and then I later found Slowly Be Ra, The Incomplete, World Demise, and then a year later they came out with Frozen in Time in 2005. So that was really cool. Um, I brought that album new, Frozen in Time, when it came out in 2005 because it was new, you know? It's like, oh, this band from the 90s just put out a new album in 2000 you know new 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 to me and I bought it I still own it actually and uh, so that's my exposure to obituary and and cause of death of course is is a classic no matter how you slice it 
Um, I'd say my favorite obituary is probably Slowly Be Rot, I gotta say. But Cause of Death is still uh, a classic. If you haven't had a chance, check out Obituary Period or Cause of Death. Um, I would highly recommend it. Uh, but yeah, that's a little bit of history on um, Obituary with me and my, kind of my feelings on that album. I don't necessarily have as big of a detail. I got some notes here, so I don't mind the paper noise in the background. Um, because I didn't get to enjoy it as much as those guys did um, when it came out. Um, but the next album they discussed was Morbid Angels' Blessed Are the Sick. Or Blessed Are the Sick. And my personal favorite is Covenant uh, from Morbid Angel. But this album still stands the test of time. And Morbid Angel, I really didn't discover. Or really, I, wouldn't, I shouldn't say discover, but really give a chance until I was probably in my 20s, to be honest with you. Um, why? I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you, um, but Blessed Are the Sick was one of the first ones that I gravitated towards, and uh, my first exposure though was Covenant, which is kind of why I'm kind of biased, because Covenant was my first um, listen, if you will, so I'm kind of biased towards that album, why it's my favorite, versus uh, Blessed Are the Sick, or Altars of Madness, Domination, Heretic. Um, stuff like that. Uh, but Heretic is another one that it was kind of the more recent album. So at the time, um, that I discovered. So yeah, I have a weird history with Morbid Angel. Um, but I the, the my funniest thing about Morbid Angel, or not Morbid Angel, but my favorite thing about these elitists, like these elitist pricks that just think you know growls or nothing and if you're one of those people I mean whatever I mean you're gonna have your opinion but I have my own as well so take it or leave it <laughs> uh, but these people that are just all against clean singing and clean singing is terrible and da 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 but people forget that David Vincent did fucking a rendition of cleans on God of Emptiness on Covenant you know the bow to me faithfully do 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 you know what I mean I mean it wasn't like sing sing cleans but still it wasn't death growls so I just find that funny I had to throw that in there and then last but not certainly not least, from these three albums this week on part one of Death Metal Diaries, a 90s death metal retrospective. Tongue twister, not really. Just a really big title. <laughs> um, is, is, is Death's Spiritual Healing. And Death, for me, will always hold a special place in my heart. Um, actually, how I got into Death was I started to really... Um, digest old school death metal or 90s death metal or more sound death metal Florida death metal Tampa whatever whatever you want to call it um, I really started to digest that in middle school 2003 2004 2005 um, and like I said Roadrunner United that album really opened up my eyes and ears I guess more so to that era of death metal because kind of how the guys mentioned um, a few of these albums were Roadrunner albums and they were all recorded at Morrisound. So naturally, a lot of old school death metal appeared in that Roadrunner United album which exposed me as a kid in middle school and that was new to these legendary bands and death was one of them um, through James Murphy, of course. And because uh, he played on this album as well, Spiritual Healing. And, uh, yeah, Death. And then the thing that drew me the most was that album cover for Spiritual Healing. I mean, with the, with the, 
uh, surgeon and shit like that. I mean, that terrified me as a fucking 11, or I was 13, 13, 14. Yeah, but still. And then when I got to high school, um, there was these metalheads in high school. You could tell who's a fucking metalhead. Uh, but there was these twins, and I forget their names now. I never really became good friends with them at all. Um, but one of them was wearing a spiritual healing shirt and I fell in love with it. I'm like, I need that shirt. Cause I only really heard of a few death tracks and not a whole lot. And then I really wasn't familiar with album titles yet or imagery. I just knew of death and I knew I liked a couple songs, but I was just drawn to those songs more so than, than others. Um, you know, and then over time I discovered leprosy and symbolic human screen, bloody gore, individual thought patterns. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And then when I found out that uh, Sound of Perseverance was their last album they released in 1998, and then that Chuck um, died a couple of years later in 2001, uh, really bummed me out because I didn't know that when in high school, which was 2007-ish when I first went to high school. I didn't know that he, he had passed and that de- death was no more and they weren't be they weren't going to be um, putting out any more albums, obviously. Um, so that really bummed me out and, uh, yeah, rest in peace, Chuck. And fun little story about Chuck, kind of the guys mentioned, uh, his side project in Control Denied. Um, I do talk about it periodically, but I have a pretty big eclectic physical, uh, physical CD collection, um, in the studio here. And one of my prized possessions is a copy of Control Denied's fragile art of existence it's their only album they released um it's the only album chuck released with them and i think it's the only album they released period um but fragile art of existence it's a great album it's a bit more proggy it's not death i mean it's it's definitely a different band it's a different sound so if you're interested in that as well please check that out Um, but the copy i have and believe it or not believe it or not i found this copy at a goodwill in town for 68 cents or some shit it was like a, it was around new year's i think it was like new year's day or the day after the weekend of a new year ringing in whatever year i think it was 2018 2019 maybe even 2017 i don't remember either way for some reason i really wanted to go to goodwill because sometimes i would go to goodwill to find cds to add to my collection and this was no different it just happened to be new year's and I guess Goodwill is having a sale, like a certain percentage off your total, um, your total purchase or whatever. <clears throat> so I go in there and I go to the CDs and I found Control Denied's Fragile Art of Existence. And I found 20 plus, 22, that was a lot, I think like 22, 23 albums from black metal bands from Europe. And I know Control Tonight isn't black metal, but they were just happened to be within it. And it was was my biggest single score ever so far where I found that many underground black metal European um, bands that I never even heard of. Uh, So it was a really great score. And each album was like a dollar. But with the sale, it came up to be like 68 cents a CD. And the Control Tonight album was a part of that. And I looked it up on Discogs, and Discogs is like a 
eBay slash Wikipedia for music lovers, for physical music lovers. You can look up pretty much anything you want to know about a particular album. So I take them all home and I scan them all into my collection so I can keep track of what I have. And I scan the Control Denied album into my Discogs collection, into my library, if you will. And I looked it up and it's a three disc edition. It's in a digi pack. And I looked it up. And I looked more looked more in detail, and I got to kind of I got to pull up here so I can tell you verbatim. So this deluxe three CD repackaged reissue album contains never seen never before seen photos, over an hour of previously unreleased demos and rehearsal tracks, and it's limited to a thousand copies. And I got this thing for sixty eight cents. It's limited to a thousand copies. It's so sought after because of the history of the band and with Chuck and everything else. And there's three copies for sale on Discogs right now for over $100. And it is one of my most prized possessions. And I love it to death. It's an amazing album as well. I know I kind of got a little bit off topic there, but I really wanted to tell that story. Um, and I was just blown away that I found this in a Goodwill in Rockford, Illinois, of all places, <laughs> for 68 cents. And this thing is limited to 1,000 copies and worth over $100. And it's... it's 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 insane. I, I absolutely love it. I cherish it. I, I'm afraid to even touch it because it's so sought after and rare and valuable and it's a great album and yeah. So before I get too far ahead of myself, we're about an hour deep into this episode, this part one of Death Metal Diaries. We got four bands to get through. So prepare your eardrums for some modern takes on old school death metal. Oh, my computer went fucking to sleep there for a second. That scared the shit out of me. <laughs> um, Jesus. Okay. Okay. So, this first band in question of the four bands we have to feature here on part one of this amazing mini-series is called Grave Carver. These guys are from Arizona, and this track in particular is track 10. It is called Obscure Torture off of their newest album, Spectral Carnage, which released everywhere this past week, or a couple weeks ago, actually, on March 4th of this year. So without further ado, check out Obscure Torture from Grave Carver. Enjoy.
God, I tell you what, if my neck hurts now after hearing that, my neck's going to be in for a world of fucking pain by the time this miniseries is over with. Wow. Wow. That track was called Obscure Torture by Grave Carver out of Arizona. And it is track 10 off of their new album titled Spectral Carnage, which just released this past, well, a couple weeks ago. I realized that earlier, too, (laughs) on March 4th of this year. That's a closing track. You know me. I'm a real big, real big, uh, what's the word, supporter of a good opening and good closing track. And that, my friends, is some modern old school death metal at its best real happy to have these guys be a part of this so shout out to grave carver uh for agreeing to be a part of this thank you guys so much uh be sure to check them out they have a facebook page instagram of course just search up grave carver uh their Bandcamp, gravecarver.bandcamp.com i believe they have a link tree on their instagram yes if you hear a, a mouse clicking in the background, that's me just going through my tabs that I have open. <laughs> uh, they have a YouTube page as well. It's in their link tree uh, where I believe all of the new album is streamable. I believe Spotify. I know they're on that. They're on all your streaming outlets. Uh, so check them out, Grave Carver. Give them a like. Give them a follow. Give them a shout out. Uh, tell them straight to the core sent you. I know they would appreciate it immensely. So thank you again, Grave Carver for being a part of this episode and this podcast and this mini-series and just thanks all around. Thanks all around. This next band in question is from the Netherlands. They are called Dathus. Dathus? Dathals? God, I hope I'm saying that right. I'm fuck, I, I'm going to butcher it. I really hate when I mispronounce things, but hopefully, hopefully I didn't. Hopefully I got that right. So, uh, Dathus. Dathus, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, let's see here uh, I think he gave me a few tracks to play um, that I could choose from I think we're going to go with um, we'll go with Cold and this is the title track off of their album Cold so without further ado enjoy some Cold <laughs> with Dathu's Enjoy. Hey! 
God, the next few weeks are going to be a blast. Uh, that was a fantastic. Holy shit. Holy shit. That was Dathus. Dathus. God, I, I fucking... Guys, if I'm butchering your name, please... Please feel free to take me out back and beat it into my brain. Uh, I do apologize if, if, I, if I butchered it. Dathus. I feel like it's right. I feel like it's got to be right. It's got to be right. Either way... Uh, the guys in Dethuz sent me a press kit to kind of look over a little bit, and uh, the name is slang for the process of dying, and which I think is kind of cool. And um, another little tidbit of information that I kind of want to share here that I realized uh, rereading through our conversations um, on the Instagram. Um, Emil, who is the vocalist of Dethuz, uh, is the one that I was in main contact with. And being that the Thuz is Dutch, uh, or they're from the Netherlands or Holland or tomato, tomato, <laughs> same country, same place. Um, the band itself is Dutch. So they're from the Netherlands. They're from Holland. Um, but Emil actually lives in Australia and he's the vocalist and he's lived there for over 10 years. So kind of little fun fact being that, uh, the guys in Eons Abyss who have taken over this episode for the most part um are also from australia so i think that's kind of cool um but yeah the track you just heard is track five to be exact called cold it is the self-titled track of the sophomore album cold by the band and this album just released a few weeks ago as well on march 5th of this year it's a great album i highly recommend checking it out they're on uh, all the major Social media platforms as well. Same thing with Grave Carver. They're on Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, YouTube, where you can actually stream the whole album uh, on YouTube, which is kind of cool. But like I said, they're on Spotify and stuff too. Um, and they do have a big cartel page if you're in Europe. Because I don't believe they have a U.S. store. But you might be able to buy it. It all depends. Some Some stores are different. Uh, but Dathuz, D-A-U-T-H-U-Z, dot bigcartel.com. Um, they have uh, some CDs for sale, some shirts, um, their older material, their their debut album and, and a debut EP that they released a few years ago is also available on there. So check them out. Give them a like on Facebook. Give them a follow on Instagram. Give them a thumbs up on YouTube for the album stream. Just show them some love all around. Uh, thank you again to... Dathus for being a part of this episode and being a part of this um, whole thing, I guess. <laughs> um, so shout out to those guys. Show them some love. As always, tell them that straight to the core sent you. Okay, so the next band that we're going to be featuring today on part one of Death Metal Diaries are called Celestial Sanctuary, and they are from the UK. A little bit of uh, a variety here this week. On the episode, let me pull up my information I have for Celestial Sanctuary. Okay, so the track we are going to be playing from Celestial Sanctuary is titled Suffer Your Sentience. Sentience. I can't fucking speak. What the hell? (laughs) Let me try it again. Rewind. Pause. The track is titled Suffer Your Sentience. There we go. It is track five off of their upcoming album. 
uh, let me get the name right, Soul Diminished. The new album is called Soul Diminished. It releases in a few days on March 26th. So as of the release of this episode, so this Friday, the 26th of March, this album will release to the world. And this is track five, Suffer Your Sentience by Celestial Sanctuary. Enjoy.
that fade out though. Ugh. Ugh. Now this, I mean, oh my god. Celestial Sanctuary. Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, this track, this album, and this band could have easily released this in the 90s and it would have been toe-to-toe with anything that was released back in the day. And it this, oh my God, that was the most... Oh, dude, it's so good. That track was called Suffer Your Sentience, track five off of the new album, Soul Diminished, which releases everywhere uh, this Friday, March 26th, 2021. It's a nine-track album. And uh, when I was talking to these guys about uh, what song they would like to feature, uh, they, they recommended Suffer Your Sentience. And instead of sending me the whole, or instead of sending me just the track, they sent me the whole album. So I've had maybe a week or two, week and a half, uh, so I was slowly trying to put this together, and I was waiting for other bands to confirm or communicate and stuff, and which is fine, which is fine. And uh, these guys sent me their whole album, and Jesus, soul diminished. I mean, it, it, it's a, it's a fucking treat. Let me tell you. So the twenty sixth this Friday when this drops, get on Spotify, get on your favorite streaming service. Listen to it, download it, favorite it, heart it, thumbs up it, whatever you gotta do. This is an album you will not want to miss. This might be, I mean, it has the, it has the potential of being one of the best death metal albums released this year. I mean, the whole every band that we have featured is coming out with new albums or has coming out with new albums, but when it comes to that old school flavor that uh is prominent in this band um if that's what you're more going for um as you hear it or i guess how do i put it if that's something you're more attracted to i guess lack of a better term is the old school vibe this album might be your album of the year hands down hands down um, but I am so excited to show you the rest of what we got going on here in the next three weeks. Cause I probably, I'll probably end up saying that more than once. There, there, those are going to be multiple albums of the year. <laughs> I swear to you. I mean, I'm so excited for these next few weeks. Uh, so Celestial Sanctuary, um, they're on all the social medias as well. Facebook, um, Instagram. I believe they have a link tree on their Instagram, uh, where they have links to their Spotify, Apple music, um, a couple reviews, a couple review sites that gave uh, gave the new album uh, some pretty great reviews. Um, a couple of videos, a North American store, a UK and Europe store, because these guys these guys are from the UK. So it's kind of cool that um, there is a North North America store. And uh, actually, shout out to uh, Redefining Darkness Records, who is uh, US based, and they're the ones that are distributing. Um, the album stateside and a CD. And I believe the vinyl is sold out. It's only limited to 300 copies, but that's pretty cool. Congratulations to you guys for that, uh, for selling that out over here. That's pretty awesome. Really great accomplishment. They're on YouTube as well. Um, yeah, just follow them, show them some love, give them a like as always, uh, on every episode and every, um, rendition of straight to the core. We always tag the bands that are going to be a part of the episode. So if you're having trouble finding it, if it doesn't pop up for you, and you have straight to the core liked or followed on either um, Facebook or Instagram. 
uh, by all means, go to our page and scroll to the most recent post. Or if you listen to this a bit later, if you didn't listen to this as it comes out, you might have to scroll down a little bit to find the information for this episode. But the bands are always tagged in the description of the episode. So uh, that's another way to find them out. Or find them out. Find them. What? <laughs> but they do have a lot of, for, lot of stuff for sale on their direct Bandcamp page, celestialsanctuary.bandcamp.com. I got... Couple more LPs. It is in pounds. Um, I don't know if they'll be able to ship it, being with the pandemic and everything. I'm not sure. Send them a message if you're confused. I can't confirm or deny that. But if you're really interested, because these vinyls records that they're releasing are beautiful, beautiful of Soul Diminished, and it's it's great. So send them a message if you're curious and you live stateside and you're interested in purchasing um, a vinyl or a CD. Um, they do have some shirts for sale as well on their Bandcamp page. So check them out. Check them out, show them some love. As always, tell them that straight to the core sent ya. Uh, we got one more band. One more band this week on Straight to the Core. And that band is called Chainsword. And these guys are from Warsaw, Poland, which is super, super cool. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I'm just on cloud nine right now. I'm sorry. I'm getting so distracted because I'm just in such a good mood. I don't know. <laughs> but Chainsword, uh, the track we're going to play from these guys is called Oris the Chosen Son. Let me pull up their information so I can get um, the correct information, I guess. Yes, Oris the Chosen Son is the song we're going to play here on the podcast. It is track three off of their newest album, Blight March, that released everywhere February 27th of this year. So without further ado, enjoy Horus, the Chosen Son by Chainsword.
happiest little boy to be sitting here right now to have this opportunity. You have no idea. You have no idea. I am, oh God, humbled is not even the fucking right word to use in this situation. Oh, so much death metal. So much glorious, glorious death metal. That track you just heard was Oris, The Chosen Son, track three off of the new album Blight March from Chainsword out of Warsaw, Poland. The album released on February 27th of this year, a little under a month ago. Uh, so all these albums, all these songs came from albums that uh, released re- relatively um, recently, which is kind of cool. I didn't plan it that way. It just kind of just kind of happened. Uh, but Chainsword, them as well. They're on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Bandcamp. Um, show them some love. Um, it does say in their Bandcamp, if you're a physical collector like myself, the physical Blight March CD as of right now. Is currently sold out on Bandcamp, so congratulations to you guys at Chainsword. That is fucking awesome. I love to see that as a physical CD collector and a big, a big. Uh, can't I can't brain good right now. <laughs> a big supporter again. That's not the right word I want to use, but it gets the point across. I'm a big supporter of physical media. Um, because I collect it, and I love music, and I love CDs, and it's really awesome to see that CDs, new CDs, are selling out. And not only are they selling out, but they're selling out in the underground, which is fantastic. So congratulations to you guys at Chainsword for for accomplishing that. That is awesome. I love that. That is so cool. Uh, But thank you to Chainsword. Like I said, give them a follow on Instagram. Give him a follow on Twitter. Give him a like on Facebook. Show him some love on Bandcamp. Even though you can't get it physically, buy it digitally. I believe Bandcamp is still, maybe? I didn't pay attention this week. Uh, but I think Bandcamp is still doing their free Fridays. I don't know. Don't quote me on that either. I hope they are because that is a tremendous, tremendous thing that Bandcamp is doing. And for those of you that aren't familiar, Bandcamp is waiving their fees. Uh, meaning that if you sell your music on Bandcamp, you have a Bandcamp page and you sell it either digitally or physically, uh, Bandcamp usually takes a small percentage of the sales because they're the ones hosting um, the sales, I guess. I mean, mean, it makes sense. Uh, So they got to make money somehow, you know. Uh, But on Fridays, they waive that uh, thing. I guess, which is really cool. And they've been doing that since the start of the pandemic uh, every Friday to kind of help, excuse me, to kind of help musicians. And it's really weird and fucked up time uh, that we're all going through. Hopefully we're on the downhill at this point. I'm hoping. I'm hoping because it's been over a year since I've seen a fucking live band and it's driving me nuts. And I can't imagine how you guys are doing as musicians uh, and bands that just haven't been able to play out in over a year. It's crazy. But hopefully, hopefully we're on a downswing and hopefully we can uh, get back to throwing down and, and fucking doing the thing. You know what I mean? Um, thank you all for tuning in this week for part one of Death Metal Diaries, a 90s death metal retrospective. Um, thank you to Chainsword. Thank you to Dethus. Thank you to Celestial Sanctuary. And thank you to Grave Carver uh, for all agreeing to be a part of this adventure and this mini-series by uh, getting their, their tunes heard. And it uh, means a lot. So thank you guys for agreeing, for agreeing to be a part of it. Thank you for being here. Hopefully 
everybody listening enjoyed those four four tasty tasty tracks tasty death metal nuggets of awesomeness uh this week on part one there is 12 more bands to come over the next three weeks and it is all glorious death metal in all of its glorious facets and all of its glorious gloriousness <laughs> um so yeah it's going to be a fun little mini series really excited to have this become a reality and and a big big thanks to Ian's abyss and Paul O'Brien and Stephen O'Brien for for planting the seed, if you will, to quotes in the air, take over the podcast and kind of shoot the shit about their favorite death metal albums and, and what they mean to them and what they mean to metal as a whole. So I'm super happy to uh, kind of put this together. And uh, part two next week is still just Stephen Paul conversing about three more classic albums of the 90s. And then parts three and four feature... Yours truly, Matt Massacre, uh, where we talk about six more classic albums of the era. And it's going to be a fun few weeks, ladies and gents. Thank you all so much for being here. I think I'm going to end it here before it gets too too much longer, about an hour and 40 minutes in, give or take. Um, so, like I said in the beginning, uh, sometime this week, maybe next week, I'll, uh, I'll record a a uh, bonus episode, if you will, kind of filling you guys in on where we've been since October. Um, and it's just, it's it's too much to put in this episode, so I'll kind of make it a little bonus, dedicated episode where I can probably talk your head off for a good half hour about where we've been the last however many months it's been. I can't math good. <laughs> um, but thank you all so much for being here. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being a part of this journey. And thank you for still being here if you're a long-time listener. Um... But yeah, the next three weeks are going to be fun. And then we got more stuff planned even after this. So, uh, as always, my name is Matt Massacre. Thank you again. I say it, I can't say it enough. I know I've said it enough, but I still won't say it enough. <laughs> um, be sure to follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, Bandcamp, we do have a Bandcamp page where we released a, a compilation album last year. I do plan on doing another one of those, another one of those soon, but that's a whole other episode. So... Tune in next week's tune in next week, ladies and gentlemen, for part two of Death Metal Diaries, a nineties death metal retrospective right here on Straight to the Core Podcast. Hope you all stay safe, stay warm, stay cool, stay healthy, and uh, we'll see you next week. Have a great night.